Raina. And I'm Megan. Welcome to the Shh Don't Talk About It podcast, where we talk about all the things we need to say out loud, but think that we can't. We're going to talk about all the things. We're going to shed light on them. We're going to embrace them. And we're going to fucking love them. So join us on this journey as we get rid of shame and start talking about it. Claw was cracked. I already cracked it. I've been breaking. So we have a content warning for listeners today. Um, Today's episode discusses childhood sex abuse. And if this is a topic that is triggering for you, we invite you to do whatever you need to do to take care of yourself. If that means listening to a bit and taking a break, that's totally fine. We think these issues are important to talk about. And so, you know, we will talk about difficult things on this Mm -hmm. podcast from time to time. We invite you to just listen as you can, take breaks, and take care of you. Also, if this is an issue that has impacted your life and you need some extra support around it, we want to make sure you know the phone number for the National Sexual Assault Hotline, which is 1-800-656-4673. You can also find wonderful and very supportive resources at rain.org. That's R-A-I-N-N dot org. So having said all of that, mm-hmm. um, our guest this week is an incredibly courageous woman. Her name's Courtney, and she came on to share her story of surviving childhood sex abuse, and it was incredibly powerful for us to get to listen to and talk with her about, I think. Yes. Uh, what, what do you think? No, absolutely. I, I feel she was very brave to come on and share her experiences as well as her journey to um, healing. And um, definitely a topic that is uncomfortable to talk about on, on many levels, but is very common. And we need to talk about this shit. We need to release the stigma attached to those who have been abused and um, allow the space for them to talk. I agree because the only people that we protect by not talking about it are the people who are perpetrators, the people who are causing harm Mm -hmm. and making this a taboo topic hurts the survivors and it just increases and enhances shame that's already there. So Mm -hmm. personally, I'm really proud of this episode. I'm really proud of the conversation. I'm really proud of Courtney. Yeah. Um, And uh, we hope you all enjoy it and get something out of it. So Mm -hmm. let us know. All right. Here you go. Here's Courtney. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to the Don't Talk About It podcast. Um, Raina and I are really um, honored today to welcome our guest, Courtney. Um, Courtney and I are from the same hometown Our siblings were actually like best friends growing up. Um, So we've known each other for a long time. And Courtney's joining us today to talk about a really vulnerable topic, to talk about her experience with childhood um, sex abuse. And so I want to start by just saying thank you. Um, We can't thank you enough for being willing to step into this space with us and, and talk about something that is really vulnerable and also really does need to be acknowledged and talked about so much more than it is. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on Courtney. Well, thank you so much for having me. I, I really appreciate what you two are doing with your podcast. Um, I think it's really important to give people the space to talk about the things that we're not supposed to. So exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And this is definitely one of those topics that um, I think a lot of people may, may experience, um, but don't usually talk about, you know, yeah. or have the space to talk about or feel ashamed about talking about these things. So um, what you're doing today is very brave of you. And um, just from the very get go, just thank you so much. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate yes. it. So I guess we actually wanted to start by asking what 
made you want to come on and share your story? Because you act like right, I think it was like the first week we launched the <laughs> podcast, you messaged me and you were like, hey, if you ever want a guest, I would love to come tell my story. Um, and I think that's beautiful because so often survivors um, have so much shame put on them that they don't want to talk about it. And I was like, whoa, okay, yes, I would love to have you on. Um, and it surprised me because of, I guess, just my misperception about what survivors want to do. So why is it important to you um, to share your story? I just think that with my experience and through healing and everything, it's really important to let survivors know that they are, you know, they're valid, they're, they're, they deserve to be heard, their story, you know, they deserve to have um, the help that they might need in healing. Um, And, you know, I just, I didn't really have a voice growing up. It was taken from me. And Mm -hmm. um, I think getting it out there and, and telling my story will help survivors, um, you know, and, and do whatever they need to do to heal. Um, and also let them know that, you know, you can become something, you can do whatever you want to do in spite of what may have happened to you in the past that you can. Absolutely. So, yeah, Yeah, Yeah. you're, you're not the sum total, the, the whole of you as a person is not the trauma. Exactly. And I think it's hard. It's hard for, you know, victims of abuse to overcome that and to really um, step into acknowledging that they didn't deserve it and that they um, can move on and they can heal and not not move on. But I mean, you you can overcome it and you can, you know, um, have the tools and resources that you need to um, prevail every day, for lack of a better term. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, um, just to speak on what Megan and you both were saying, you know, we are not what happens to us, you know, Um, we are who we choose to be um, every day. So, um, so you do have a choice in how you want to, you know, whatever did happen, you have a choice to how am I going? What am I going to do with this? You know, right? Am I going to, of course, be sad, and it's so fucked up. And you know, Um, but then also how long am I going to choose to suffer for this, you know, um, go into the healing. And of course it comes in waves as all things do. Um, but like working through it rather than like, you know, like you said, like you corrected yourself about not moving on from it, but just learning to like live through it. And it's just, um, something that'll probably most definitely be a part of you for the rest of your life, you know? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely, it is to not let it define who you are, you know. So I think that that's great. Exactly, and of course the old, you know, whatever it is, uh, you're only as sick as your secrets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think there's something freeing about being able to, um, you know, say there was an episode when Megan was talking about, you know, standing up to her um, abuser and and saying, "No, you raped me," and there's there's power behind that. Absolutely. Sorry. I I hope that's okay that I brought that up. Yeah, of (laughs) course. course. Yes. Yes. No. I mean, I think that's so important that we do hold the power. We always have the power. Like it's always within us somewhere, you know? Um, So just finding that again is everything. Right. Yeah. And there's that thing too of like, we're not the ones that did something wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, like the person who harmed you is the one that did some something wrong, and yet we carry the burden of their shame as survivors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I just it's beautiful to to see you so free uh, (laughs) now. Yeah. So, can you tell our listeners what happened? Sure. I mean, I think. the best way without really going into detail and everything is just, you know, I was, I was sexually abused from the time that I was nine years old until about 17, really, when I left for college um, by my biological father. 
And so um, my parents were divorced. My mom, you know, had no clue, obviously, what was going on. I was really the only one that was still close with my biological father that really went over there and spent the shared custody time with him. And, you know, it basically happened every single time I was there and every night that I was there in some different capacity. So he stripped, you know, my childhood away from me. I didn't, I mean, nine years old to 16, they're very formative years. Yeah. Um, It's, you know, you're, it's, you're developing and maturing and finding life. And, and so, yeah, it was a very, very rough time. Very rough time. I'm fortunate to have overcome and and end up where I am. Mm -hmm. What a heavy burden to have to figure out how to carry as a child. Yeah. It makes me sad for that little girl. And um, I know we're going to get to it a little bit later, but that's one of the reasons why I ended up, you know, reporting my um, abuser and and he ended up in prison. So, (laughs) but, you know, I think um, another to touch on one of the first questions you asked is, um, it's important for survivors to know that it's okay to fight for that little person that, you know, that they once were. So, mm-hmm, <laughs> and yeah. to, you know, stand up for them. Mm-hmm. And I said that in, you know, in feeling deserving of that. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that was actually something that we did want to ask you about because your story is unique and that you disclosed what you told um, and pressed charges. And a lot of people don't do either or do one, but not the other. Um, the justice system is so fucked up in the way that it treats, um, (laughs) people who are experiencing abuse, um, and and sexual abuse, physical abuse, like it's awful. And so it takes quite a lot to, Mm -hmm. to go through that. And I was wondering if you could talk to us about, how you disclosed and then just sort of the story of what happened, how you got to the point of the, of actual like prosecution. Right. So it, it started in college. (laughs) I, uh, when I started to kind of come to terms with what had happened to me and start to really face it, I was very, you know, I would disassociate Um, It was buried really deep. I always thought, oh, when he dies and everybody knows, like, it's just when he dies and everybody knows everything will make sense, you know, everything, um, the, some of the relationship issues that my mother and I had, you know, between each other because of it. Um, But basically coming back to it, um, when I was in college, I was going to be a teacher. That's what I wanted to do. (laughs) And I ended up taking a social work course and I was like, oh, this is, this is it. (laughs) Like I want to do social work instead. So I switched my junior year in the middle of my junior year. That's a big change. Yeah. Um, But in one of the courses that we took, it was, you know, a topic and um, I ended up writing a paper and I lied in the paper. I said that it was a different family member, like a grandfather or something and didn't identify who it was, but getting closer mm-hmm. <laughs> to, you know, disclosing and, and coming to terms with it. And I um, got a counselor and or a therapist and started going to therapy. And I ended up disclosing to her who it actually was. Um, and then I lost my job. Her grant program was taken. Um, and I ended up moving back to two. So I lost my therapist, essentially moved back to my hometown um, and took care of my grandma. Um, and about a year later, I met my ex-husband. Um, and um, whole story for another time, but we <laughs> we got into a fight one night and he um, basically was like um, asking me what, what was wrong with me, not to say that this was <laughs> in any way right of him or a, a healthy relationship, but um, he basically was like, why can't you trust me? Like, why can't you? trust anyone. And, um, I just, I, I said it, <laughs> I said it out loud for the first time ever. I was like, I was sexually abused. Mm-hmm. It was a really long time all through childhood. And, um, he pushed to ask me who it was and I just came out with it. And then, 
Um, he must have said something to my mom because she took me to lunch like a few days later. And she asked me um, if my, she straight up asked me if it was him. Mm-hmm. And um, I told her, I just, I told her everything at lunch, everything that had ever happened. Oh, yeah. um, and she did pretty well, I think, for someone that, you know, I mean, they don't, you don't know how to take that. I mean, she was probably dealing with a whole, I know she was dealing with a whole bunch of her own emotions surrounding it. Mm -hmm. She, you know, she couldn't believe it, how she didn't see it or know that it was happening. And I think it can be like dominoes. Like I think she, hindsight's always 2020, you know, there was a lot of emotion and feeling with it, but she did ask me, if I wanted to press charges and I wasn't sure. And she, she gave me my space to make that decision. Mm-hmm. And a couple of days later I decided to, and she, um, the process is interesting. I <laughs> Meg was saying the justice system is fucked in that it is. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. It, you have to make a, a report first with a police officer. So essentially no matter what, you have to tell your story at least two times. Mm-hmm. Um, and repeat everything and try to um, give as much detail as possible. I mean, it's, I was 16 when it ended and 23, mm-hmm. I think, when this was all mm-hmm. going down, maybe a little bit older. It, it wasn't that long ago. So yeah. maybe 10 years ago. So 26. <laughs> anyway, um, I, yeah, so I made the report with the police, and they immediately go to interview them, uh, the um, suspect, if you will. Mm-hmm. And he admitted enough of something to be arrested. Oh, wow. So he, he, he said something, <laughs> um, and so he was arrested, and then um, they built a case they they had me bring all of my we had these handbook like calendars in high school mm-hmm. and I would write like every time I was at his house or I would put like all my social stuff in. they were like memory books for me like I would put spent the night at so so they knew where I was every time so from those and my interview and everything they had enough to charge him with 36 count he didn't really fight it, which was amazing. Like, I, I I can't imagine what it would be like for me to have had to go to trial. Okay. So you didn't have to go to trial. And I didn't have to actually go to trial. The judge sentenced him as much as she possibly could. And I, wow. I love, I love her. (laughs) I love this judge. Yeah. But gosh, that's incredible. And lucky that you got a good judge. Um, yes. And I, and a great prosecutor. He was wonderful. Yeah. I just was kind of finding myself wondering, like, what was the, like, how did you get through that? Like emotionally? Cause you're like able to like tell you tell the facts, right? Like, um, <laughs> yeah. I'm curious, like, you know, maybe for others who are thinking about, pressing charges or are in a similar spot? Like what helped you get through that part, like the legal part of it? Um, right. And emotionally, cause that it's such a toll. Like you have to, like your point about, you have to keep telling the story to strangers a bunch of times. Like right. even that in and of itself yeah. is so re-traumatizing. Yeah. And then just also right. being validated or just ne- discovering the magnitude of what had happened to you, you know? Um, sure. Yeah. And like saying it out loud and seeing people's reactions and, you know, right. I mean, saying it out loud makes it real. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a hard thing to do. Um, therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know everyone here, big, big proponents of yes. therapy. Um, I, you know, I can say that that was a time when my ex was there for me. Um, that I had my, my family, I had a wonderful support system. Um, there was a little bit, um, it was hard. It was a tough time. I was very lucky that I was 
for work, I was taking care of my grandma and I was running like an after school program. So it was like really fun things that to me didn't take too much emotional labor. Mm -hmm. So I could direct all of my attention um, to that and my therapy. And um, I read books during the time. I think books and podcasts <laughs> have helped me. I've, I've been through a traumatic time recently getting divorced. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I just, I, I, I think therapy is always <laughs> my number one, but, um, and then your personal self-care, like what, what is important to you? I think it's really hard when, when your childhood was stripped away from you like that, um, to be okay with finding yourself and what makes you happy and what puts you at ease and what your coping your healthy coping mechanisms are going to be. Mm -hmm. um, and it's always work, like it will never end. So I did get through that rough time and it's like a roller coaster, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, and it is, it's a process and it always will be. Yeah. So I hope that answered it a little bit. I think, you know, self-care, music, yoga, exercise. Sometimes in my practice, um, I work. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored with very traumatized people and we talk about coping skills and I like the frame of like coping skills that have a high cost drugs alcohol self-harm those have those are high cost coping skills um, right. and then low cost coping skills like baking reading writing so I try to I've like moved away from the frame of like healthy and unhealthy because it's all just survival Right. Um, I like, that. you know, but yeah. I'm curious, like, what Thank are you. the ways that you learned to like the lower cost ways that you learned to care for yourself or cope? So, um, so well, they're based on the high cost ones, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, in college I drank, I drank a lot. I had a buddy that we would go out four nights a week and drink. Um, and, when I was 22, I got a DUI and that was right when I was starting to kind of, you know, um, start to begin to heal and tell my story. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that was not me. I mean, I had never been in trouble before and I was lucky enough that it didn't actually end up, I wasn't charged with DUI or anything, but, um, it was a traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and, so, you know, from that moment I had quit drinking um, and I, you know, I stayed completely sober for a year or two. Um, and now that I'm, you know, able to cope with it and stuff, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to, to be able to, um, you know, have healthy drinks and stuff like that. That's not one of the low cost ones I was saying, yeah. <laughs> but um, what goes hand in hand with it is that I was uh, addicted to food and I was, um, protecting myself from being attractive to anyone by, you know, having weight on. And, um, you know, I was, I was heavy and big and I just always protected myself with that, mm -hmm. um, you know, cloak of armor with, with actual weight, um, and food and, and filling the emptiness with food and, you know, 
Um, and so I actually um, lost 115 pounds. Mm-hmm. And one of my low cost is working out. Like now I have to run. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I can feel it when I don't yeah, uh, work out, you know, I get yeah. anxious, more anxious. Um, that's one of my fun diagnoses from <laughs> mm-hmm. my past trauma. So, um, yeah, I have anxiety and, and running is what really helps me cope with that, which is, um, awesome. Um, I was a swimmer in high school. And so, you know, I, I, yeah. when I can do that and hiking and just being outdoors, um, but music, I mean, music is therapy to me too. Listening. I wish I could play something, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So, um, some of those, I, I think like you have mentioned and we've said it's, it's a, it's always going to be there. It's always going to be something that I have to manage and, and cope with. And so finding those, low cost skills are important. So I have several, I mean, I read, um, sometimes it's just taking my, um, son and dogs for a walk. Mm -hmm. If I'm feeling, you know, like I'm crawling out of my skin or something. So, yeah. Um, just the theme of anxiety comes up a lot in this podcast. Um, both like when we're just talking to each other and then with our guests, as well. Yeah. So you're not alone in that at all. No, no, not at all. Not yeah. at all. Um, do you recall, um, I'm sorry to like bring it back, but, um, during those years, do you remember how you coped then during the years so, things were going on? Yes. So I was the queen of like disassociating mm-hmm. <laughs> and not, Um, I'm definitely an empath. Um, and so I always, you know, took on a lot of my surroundings and stuff, but, um, no, I didn't cope at all. (laughs) I just didn't face it. Um, but you know, some of the behaviors that would come out because of it are, um, like for some reason, the next day in school, I would exhibit as like just being really hyper and like over the top, like overcompensating being like happy and (laughs) yeah yeah and like I just I I would I was racing like I would people would be like oh she's so bubbly but it's you know it's it's a trauma response like I was you know trying to cope with what was happening and and ignore it and and yeah so I was very racy um my thoughts were very racing I should say Mm -hmm. um and I yeah, I think I just always overcompensated um, by pro- not necessarily projecting onto others, but letting everybody else show me who they were, share their feelings, fixing everybody else, you know, so that I didn't have to deal with it or yeah. fix it myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've always been a very compliant kid. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I never, you know, stirred up stuff in middle school. When it first started happening, I was mean. I was a bully and a jerk. And I, I, I I've apologized. There's, there's three particular uh, women <laughs> who I was not nice to. And I've apologized in my later years. Um, wow. Not that it's an excuse or anything, but um you know, I was going through a lot. Middle school sucks. And I was, you know, I, I was getting in with the group that, you know, accepted me and, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't nice. So there, yeah, Yeah. there were ways I coped that weren't great, but you know, I think as a child, like you shouldn't have to, you shouldn't be expected to have to do that. Totally. Yeah. I was just, um, just more interested only because if other people see this amongst children or change in behavior in any sort of way, you know, yeah. like ask like, what the fuck is going on? You know what I mean? Like yeah. usually there is a reason why kids will be mean, you know, or yeah. um, be promiscuous or just like sudden changes in behaviors, you know, like you used to be yeah. a really sweet girl, you know, like now you're yeah. just, you're so mean to everybody. Like ask, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, and it's so, I think it's really hard and I think it's, it's tough as a parent to sure. discern what is, um, you know, your, 
maturing, you're um, going through puberty, so you have your hormones sure, and, sure. and all of that stuff. But um, I, and I think that's been something that's really hard for my mom to mm. accept and and come to terms with and deal with is the hindsight's, I mean, she, now it's like, oh, oh, that's why, you know, and oh, oh my God, like everything makes so much sense now. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I mean, it's very, very hard because as a victim or, you know, as a survivor, I was really trying to protect my family. I mean, my, my brother and sister had this person as their dad. I knew that my mom would be crushed mm-hmm. um, if she ever found out. And there were some other, other things that, you know, they do in the grooming process and that you as a survivor kind of blame yourself and, and think that you're complicit in this and, and you're not, you're a child. You can't make those decisions. You're, <laughs> you're not developed <laughs> to make yeah. those decisions. But um, yeah, I think, there, there was a point to what we were saying, but <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, I'm sure it's tough for the parents and everything, but I, yeah, I think uh-huh. the more we talk about these things, the more open people may be to like, Oh, this could yeah. be any, like it could, it could be my husband. You know what I mean? Like it could fucking yeah. happen, you know? Um, and not saying that your mom did anything wrong, but just, right. um, just being more aware that this is the, that this does happen and it could be like the guy or the perpetrator could be totally like, I would never even guess, you know what I mean? Cause they're yeah, whatever. He's such a great guy, you know? <laughs> so, right. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And <laughs> I think that there are a number of personality disorders that go hand in hand with pedophilia, but yeah. uh, not to say that everyone that has a personality disorder is a pedophile, yeah, but, right. but I mean, and this particular one is absolutely narcissists. I mean, you know, he had a narcissistic personality disorder, you know, couldn't take accountability for anything. And there's a lot of trauma and stuff that goes into that with my mom being his partner. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, they had split up when it started happening. And I know Megan, as (laughs) a therapist, you, you know, the, you know, psychology behind a number of things, but um that sometimes tends to be when it starts happenings, um, and then they, you know, start abusing the child um, in a fucked up way of either getting back at that person or um, whatever it may be, uh, like to validate themselves or to whatever. But <laughs> yeah. it's fucked up. But yeah, I mean, there's just there. It's it's so it's layered. And there's so much to it. There's so much, especially when it goes on through like your uh, developmental years, because everybody fucking always reverts back to their high school days, you know, like there's something around that time of like our lives that everybody always, you know, like where is their fucking um, letterman's jacket or that time I ran a touchdown (laughs) in high school, you know, like that type of shit. And it's like, oh, I get to have that. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Prom King, prom queen. Everybody like talks about this stuff, but that um, how they were in high school. So it's just right. um, for some reason that energy and those memories like carry on with us throughout life. And um, I mean, kudos to you for like one, you know, pressing charges, you know, and calling that shit out and, you know, going through with it. And you had the support from your mom and from your family and everybody, you know, to help you and guide you through that. So, um, yeah, and I, I did, I forgot to mention this, but, um, there, <laughs> there was a little girl, um, who went missing in our town around the time that I had reported and sh- her picture, one of her pictures came up and I was like, Oh my gosh, like I had that hair style when I was a little kid. And she just, she kind of looked like me. And I think that was really a triggering point for me was like, what if he's the one that took her or, you know, or like, what if he does this to somebody else? Um, He was remarried at the time. And I know that their um, like stepson or somebody was having a baby and it was just, I just didn't want it to happen to anybody else. And I wanted to stand up for that. child who didn't get to have that experience and who, you know, when I look back, I remember high school in a totally different, like you were saying, a different Mm -hmm. way than other people. 
Well, can we shift to talking a little bit about a little bit more as we've been talking about kind of all along about the healing process? Yeah, um, definitely. We're real big on that yes. on this podcast, <laughs> um, healing and growth. Mm-hmm. So um, you've mentioned therapy. What yeah. um, what kind of therapy have you found helpful, and just what has been like the most helpful in your process to um, heal? So EMDR. <laughs> big fan. Um, I use EMDR for um, therapy regarding my childhood sexual abuse, as well as my divorce. And I, yeah, I, I love EMDR. Um, and then MDR, sorry, EMDR is. <laughs> yeah. So the way that trauma memories are stored is in the part of our brain that understands emotion. Mm-hmm. And with trauma, it doesn't with trauma that persistently bothers you and gives you PTSD, it doesn't get moved into your working memory. Um, And that's why when you're triggered, it feels like it's still happening Mm -hmm. because it's stored in a part of your brain that understands emotions and pictures, but not in the prefrontal cortex where we have like the ability to think logically about things. Mm -hmm. So EMDR basically helps create like new neural pathways for the trauma and kind of takes it out of the emotional like limbic system part of the brain and moves it into working memory. Mm -hmm. So the memories are less distressing. Like you still have them. Mm -hmm. It's some people think like, Oh, this will make me forget the bad thing that happened. It doesn't. Um, But it makes it less distressing. And and especially for like childhood trauma, it allows you to have like a more adaptive, more adult perspective on it. Mm -hmm. So that the thought is no longer like, I'm a bad person. I'm shameful. I'm unlovable. Like it, it helps kind of, undo the negative thoughts that we have about ourselves that like trauma the brings feeling us that mm-hmm. is attached to that yeah some like right. sometimes i'll describe it or well, i've had it done on myself and it feels for me like the memories that i worked on with it instead of being like in technicolor it's like a faded black and white photograph mm-hmm. and the emotion yeah. it lacks the emotional charge that it used to have mm-hmm. yeah i don't know yeah that sounds great i agree I mean, it makes perfect sense because like Usually when we do get triggered, uh, we elicit an emotional response, a feeling, um, like actual physiological responses, you know, heart racing, sweating, like, oh, claw hands, like, I do this, (laughs) like, sweaty, all the things. And so if you could um, then, like, become aware of those, that trigger, and you're like, oh, this is what's going on right now, and then talk yourself through this, like, no, but I'm here, I'm 40 years old right now, you know, and you're not this little girl anymore. You know what I mean? You're fine. That little girl's okay. And she's safe and things like that. I mean, that's just, I mean, I've never done EMDR, but (laughs) this is what I'm getting from it because I've definitely been triggered and I know what that feels like. (laughs) So I can imagine like taking away that emotional charge with it, along with it, you know? Yeah. And you, I mean, you spoke to feeling safe and, um, one of mine, you know, feelings, re- cause you pick kind of a feeling, um, to work through during your sessions and, you know, not deserving that or, or being deserving of having a normal or, you know, a childhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah. therapy helped EMDR was the kind yeah. of therapy that did it for you. What else, um, what else was helpful in your, like, path home to yourself? So, um, I did, I, um, depression medication (laughs) Mm -hmm. definitely helped me through that. Um, I'm fortunate enough to, um, I'm, I'm not using medication now I'm working out, um, and stuff, but I'm not never opposed to ever going back if that's, you know, something that I need in the future. Um, so yeah, I mean, medication, talk therapy, always, (laughs) I just, it's regular self-care for me. being open, sharing my story, talking about it, you know, fighting for the little girl I was and all the other children or people out there who are in, you know, situations like this and who, who deserve to have their story told and, and shine despite what happened, you know. Definitely. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, your story definitely, you know, when Megan told me that you wanted to come on the show, 
um, and share your story. I thought it was a beautiful and brave thing for you to do. And also so just important. Um, and the intention behind sharing your story, you know, what you wanted to gain from it, um, overall is to help others, you know, which Absolutely. is, yeah, which is what is exactly what we're trying to do here. You know, with anything that we talk about is hoping to like create awareness and take the shame away from all of this shit that, you know, you don't have to carry this. It's not shameful, you know, yeah. what has happened to, to you or to anyone, you know, mm-hmm. um, awareness, awareness is key. I mean, so it doesn't take survivors 10 years or, you know, to endure, you know, seven years and then wait another 10 years. Or mm-hmm. I, I just think, yeah, making it less um, hush hush about things and minimizing it and just really blowing it up and and making people aware that it does happen and it can happen to anyone. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. And, um, I was debating whether or not, you know, I've touched on it, um, through other episodes and things like that. And I was debating whether or not I was going to share anything here on this episode with you, but, you know, through listening to you, I can only just like relate so much with so much that you're saying that it, I, I'd be, like, it wouldn't be right for me not to, like, share <laughs> that I, you know, <laughs> similar experiences, you know. I'm so, so sorry. Yeah. I mean, it took a long time for me to start the healing process, you know, like, just a few years ago. So I'm still just, like, really in it. But, yeah, there is a lot. And, um we should talk about it more often, you know, and you know, and people will listen, you know, the the right ones will. So thank you so much for coming on today. <laughs> You're so welcome. And I'm very proud of you. It's you. so hard to take that first step. Yeah. I mean, it really, it, it, it's hard. I mean, because, and we've, you've talked about this on the podcast before, but other people have emotions surrounding it too. Um, and, and when, you know, and you deserve to have your emotions and everything addressed and to work through it yourself without having to manage other people's emotions. But that is one of the fears I think with coming forward is what is everyone going to think and the shame and everything. So kudos. I mean, you're amazing. For what you're doing, healing. Thank you. and- you're amazing for what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I'm going to move to Oregon and hang out with you guys. <laughs> you girls. <laughs> I just think, um, you know, or is that, I don't even know where you are, but yeah. Okay. I just think the biggest things that I've been learning throughout my uh, recovery or not even recovery healing process is um, that it's okay. Cause I'm definitely an empath as well. And I always has have been, you know, I'm a nurse and, um, it's like, it's okay to put myself first, you know, it's okay to put boundaries up and like do what I need to do to take care of myself. And like, at the end of the day, like I have to live inside my brain, you know, <laughs> I have to live inside yeah. those, those thoughts and things and try to get through those on my own sometimes. And, um, so it's okay to say no, it's okay to, to take care of yourself and, you know, whatever you need to do has been, and like, even like not even talk to certain individuals because you just can't, you know what I mean? Just whatever you need yep. to do to take care of yourself and through your whole process. Cause it's been, it's fucking hard. It's so hard to, to face shit that you stuff down for so long and when things start coming up and coming out, you know, that's why I, I like like my tattoo is like, she's not breaking, she's opening because I feel like um, it's, I'm not breaking down. You know, I'm not like, I'm not broken. <laughs> you no. know what I mean? No, I'm, you're not. I'm you're just not. opening up like what that little girl that you, was like hiding in there, you know, for so long, just trying to be safe. Like, I'm like, finally, like, yeah. oh, you're safe now. You know, you can come out and play and be fun and like free, you know? Um, so, so yeah, I really appreciate you coming on here and inspiring me to, to be a little bit more open about, you know, my childhood 
sexual abuse, you know, I'll just fucking name it. And, um, it it was, um, is different than yours. And I mean, we all have our own stories, you know? Um, so none of them are, you know, the same, except for, I I, I will say that we all kind of carry that same, I feel like we all carry that same, uh, hurt and shame and fucking like, uh, unworthiness or feeling like not deserving of, or all of those fucking negative Mm -hmm. things. Cause you're a kid growing up and you're being taught these things for the very first time. And like, this is what I'm, this is, so this is it, you know, like first impressions are fucking everything, you know? So it's hard to like change that pathway. Like you're doing an EMDR of like associating this with that, you know, like, Mm -hmm. cause they're so like grained in there. (laughs) Yeah. And I will warn people, it's not easy. EMDR, you need to be in a space in your life where you can manage and you're, you're able to get through these feelings and have a good therapist that does yeah. it with you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to. No, but yes, this is easy at all. Yeah. And if I mean, but that's. That's what I always say. It's not easy, but it's fucking like what we get out of it by going through it. Um, because for so long, I didn't feel anything, you know, like had no emotion, no feelings no whatever, you know, I was a fucking mean girl in high school yeah. for sure. <laughs> um, but, but what I'm getting out of healing is like being more loving, you know, like being able to give love and like, again, be on this fucking podcast or have a podcast, you know, yeah. what I mean? like I yeah. wouldn't have done this without like really tapping into like who, who I am, you know, like discovering who I am. Um, definitely. I, yeah. And thank you for your platform and what you do. I think I said that already, but with the podcast, it's yes. And, and giving people, you know, the space to make others aware of, of all of the fucked up shit in our world. Yes. And how we're all here, you know, we have all of our own shit. Um, and, um, and it's important to like acknowledge that you don't know what's going on in somebody's life, you know? Um, so be kind to one another. Um, and don't like, you know what I mean? Like I always say like, I can, um, I, there's like this saying, like I can see a lot of, I, or what is this saying? Um, I could see a lot about a person by, or I know a lot about a person by what they choose to see in me, you know, because I feel like a lot of it is, projection you know when somebody is mean or angry or lashing out at you or super judgmental like I always take it as like there's must be something going on under there you know what I mean because I know that I used to be like that and there was a lot going on under there (laughs) right you know right Um, I absolutely agree with that it's important to set boundaries and not let people treat you a certain way and and mm -hmm. have excuses for them but yes there are plenty of times that we don't know what's going on with people. And, yeah. yeah. So always just be kind and talk. Fucking talk. talk yeah. Talk about it. <laughs> well, I just want to say thank you to both of you for your vulnerability on this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's not easy. And I yeah. just, I, I feel so lucky I get to know the two of you and I feel so um in awe to like be in the presence of like the courage that it takes to name these things to say them out loud to talk about it because I know that there will be other people listening to this episode who have a similar experience and by talking about it um in this way you are giving a a gift to others and it's just incredibly generous of both of you well thank you megan yeah. <laughs> well and i'm gonna cry again oh, no. yeah thank you oh. <laughs> is there anything any other like advice or anything that we didn't get the chance to talk about or didn't ask about that either of you want to put out there around this topic, either for people who are also survivors of childhood sexual abuse, friends and family, or just like anything that's like, oh, that's important. And we didn't say it yet. We should make space for that. I think 
just for any survivor out there, it's, it's never too late to stand up for yourself in whatever way you want to do it. Mm -hmm. If you only want to go to a mountaintop by yourself and shout what happened to you, then do that. If you want to put them in prison (laughs) and wage, you know, your war and everything, then do that. But it's never too late and you deserve to stand up for that child that, or, you know, that person that may have lost in, you know, trauma and that it's okay to heal in whatever way you're going to with the low cost coping mechanisms, you know, and in, in, um, in a way that's going to fulfill your life and help you to progress and, and have a fulfilled life. Yeah. Yes, for sure. And just to add to all of that is, you know, you definitely, um, for any survivors listening to this, and I'm speaking to myself and speaking to you, Courtney, as well, um, you are so deserving, you know, of all that this life, you know, of all the love, all the joy, um, all the success, all the everything, you know, like this should not take anything away from what somebody did to you should not take anything away from who you are, you know? So you are so deserving of love and you're worthy. Um, it was not your fault. And, um, yeah, again, we are not what happens to us, you know? Exactly. So it was not your fault and we are not what happens to us. Definitely. We are so much more than that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Definitely. And we do, we need to change our society and our culture surrounding a lot of this <laughs> rape culture and lots of stuff. Yeah. It's so fucking common and, but it's nobody so wants common. to talk about it or nobody wants to fucking believe you um, because that means they have to invest some energy into that, you know? So it's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Don't let anyone take that from you though. Yeah. Mm-mm. It's no. your voice and your story. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Well, Courtney, thank you so much. You're so welcome. Yes. Wonderful. Thank you. Job. <laughs> oh, thank you. And, uh, Such a great thing to do. Oh, thank you. I'm excited. Your voice. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again to everybody listening today. Once mm-hmm. again, if you find yourself feeling activated by the content of this episode, um, or if you find yourself in need of support, um, the, uh, there are national hotlines that you can call. We gave the number at the top of the episode. Um, don't hesitate to reach out. There's people who are here to help you. Um, and you've got this. You do. Thanks everybody. Thanks, Thank you.